Hello, everyone. I am just coming to give you a little bit of context for the next couple of episodes. So I have a friend of mine that's been going through some things with his dad, and I recorded an actual real conversation about his aging parent. So we have no limitations on the time of the recording because it's a natural, real conversation. So I ended up going pretty long, which is great. And I am splitting it up into two podcasts. So today will be part one. Next week will be part two. I won't leave you on too much of a cliffhanger. The other thing I noticed is this is the second person I've interviewed named Steven. So now I'm going to start using um, the first name and the last initial just to kind of help keep us straight. So anyway, I hope you enjoy it. It's a very recent, fresh and raw conversation about what he's going through. And I appreciate him coming on the podcast and being willing to share that. So anyway, uh, without further delay, here you go. Welcome back to another podcast episode for Real Conversations About Aging Parents. And today is an actual real conversation about aging parents. And I have a friend of mine here, Stephen. Hi, Stephen. How are you? Hi, doing well. How are you doing? (laughs) Good. Thank you. And so I have to give everybody some context. So you've been going through some issues with your dad, and I've been putting you off to talk about them because I wanted to literally take a real conversation about aging parents and share that with people. So I'm sorry if I haven't been engaging with you because it'd be easier if I don't know anything heading into it. And so now I'm glad we get to talk about your dad. Me too. I think it'll be good. Okay, good. So before we get started in that, tell me a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? What do you do? Et cetera, et cetera. So I am a physical therapist. I live in San Antonio. My dad lives in Utah, so we're geographically distant. Uh, I work at the VA hospital and, uh, you know, I, I see some of the things in my patients that are some of the things I see in my dad. And, um, yeah, otherwise I'm not sure what else I would say about what do you do for fun? What do I do for fun? I really like outdoors things. So I've got some friends that will go up like to Colorado and try to go climb a mountain. Try is the key word there for me. Um, snow will stop me if it's deep enough. Um, uh, definitely spend time with my family and my kids. If my kids let me these days, they're teenagers, so they don't want to hang out with me too terribly much. But sometimes I can find a good activity and and they'll be engaged and, and do some of that stuff with me. Uh, my wife and I love to go to the theater. We, we get a, a season pass to the Broadway shows here in San Antonio, and so that's a good time. Excellent. And we've known each other what five years something like that okay and to be honest up until i guess a couple weeks ago i didn't know anything about your parents or that you dealt with any aging parent type stuff and honestly that's how most of it goes right like it's fine until it's not and then we're all selective on what we share with our colleagues or friends um but i did know notice that you were out a couple weeks ago around christmas because i was going to bring you a christmas gift and they said, Stephen's out with his dad. And I thought, well, first, I'm sorry for you, but two, that's probably going to be a great podcast episode <laughs> on the back end of this when we get to talk about it. Um, so anyway, so if you want to take us back specifically with your dad, kind of just a little bit of background on when you started to notice he might need some extra help. Yeah. So you're spot on with us not talking about it before because there there wasn't much. So some friends of my dad's. Or one in particular who have known him 
20, 30 years, longtime friends, finally got a hold of me in December, or early December before Christmas, and said, Hey, your dad's really not doing well. I think you need to get up here and try to visit. Uh, I think you'll be really surprised. Uh, this friend, uh, over the years, because my dad lives alone, no family in the area. And over the Is years, he widowed or divorced or? Divorced when I was a child. And okay. he's never remarried. Okay. Is your mother still living? Yes. In mother and stepfather are here in town uh, in San Antonio. And they all have cordial relationships anytime my my mom and stepdad are up that way they'll have lunch with my dad uh and so yeah my dad just never remarried they divorced when i was four and uh dad never remarried since then so my mom and stepdad are here and but she's not part of his care team they're cordial but like she's not stepping in to go help him with hospitalizations or she's not on her own but if i and she has let me know if if I need some help or if I need somebody to go with me when I go up there, she is happy to come along. And what's your sibling situation? So, only child. I've You're an only child. Stepbrothers and stepsisters, but from mom and dad, it is just me. I did not know that. See, look how much I learned. <laughs> okay. All right. So you are an only child. So you're literally the person, right? Yes. And before your dad started needing help, did he set you up as like a power of attorney or did y'all have any discussions at all about, I mean, no. you're the one left, the one family member kind of left at that point, right? Right. And there hasn't been much planning in that regard uh, up until very recently, uh, up until all this happened. Uh, not much. He wouldn't share much with me in the way of, hey, dad, how are you doing financially? Uh, I'll let you know if there's anything to talk about kind of statements. Um, just very limited in that regard. And I think, you know, probably my mother or stepfather could get a little more information that way out of him, but he's a very private person in general. And that's part of what got this to be, you know, to the point of it's really bad before anybody knows. Was he retired or what kind of work did he used to do? Yeah. So he is a genealogy researcher. Okay. And so he retired from that a while back. He's old enough that he's getting a pension from that. Uh, but he's pretty young. He's only 68. Okay. Uh, and then after he stopped doing that formally, after he retired, he would still go to, uh, there's a place up there in Salt Lake City called the Family History Library. And he would go do research there, and private research for people if he had a client. Otherwise, he would do you know personal research, something he wanted to work on himself. Uh, and I don't really think he's had much uh, in the way of clients in the past at least year and probably two years. Okay. Uh, and I think some of that is maybe early signs or symptoms of him not being able to deal with this, but just he's very used to living without. He's he's very used to going without. And so when things don't work properly, he just kind of finds a way around it and doesn't necessarily need to get it fixed. So at times his phone didn't work really well. I couldn't get through to him. He didn't have these health concerns, so I wasn't worried about his safety. But I know if I wasn't getting a hold of him, there were no clients getting a hold of him. And so right. that's why I was worried. How are you doing financially? Well, I'll just get to know when I need to know. That's basically the way. It so works. you asked that question because of the difficulty in getting contact with them. You assumed 
that might cause some difficulty in his business. And then you approached him about it. And then that was kind of shut down at that time. Correct. And so when did you actually start thinking there was a health concern or like, when was the first time you're like, hey, wait a minute, like this is more serious than I thought? Yeah. So I guess I'll take a step back from what we said earlier. Uh, back in, I think it was October-ish, my mom and stepdad were up in the area. They've got, they go there sometimes. They've got good friends. My uh, stepdad is retired army, uh, but for a long period of time, he was stationed with the Utah National Guard, even though he was active duty. So they stayed there a while. So they've got some long-standing friendships and they'll still go up to the area. And so they went up there, visited one of those friends that happens to also know my dad and they all had dinner together. And this is October of last year. So October, like four months ago. Correct. Okay. And my mom came back and she said, yeah, it was just strange. He didn't interact with our friend the way he normally does. They kind of had some inside jokes and he didn't really respond to those, which he likes to entertain. He likes to joke. This is your dad. This is my dad. So she thought she was seeing it like compared to the person that she had been visiting with. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, and then they said when the, when he got his plate of food, uh, the friend made lasagna. She makes a great lasagna. And when he got it, they said he just fell on that thing like he hadn't eaten in a month. Just devoured it up, put his arm around the plate and just ate the whole thing. And they were like, oh, I wonder if he's been eating well. My mom asked him, hey, you know, why don't you come down and visit Steven? Like, if we'll, we'll, we'll all be happy to see you. I haven't seen the kids in a while. I said, yeah, I'm not sure I want to. I, I'm not feeling like myself lately. Mm. And so I'm not sure I want to go for a visit. And so that was the first indication of problem. So before October, you thought maybe he's a little bad with his phone, but dad's fine. Right. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, December comes around and I've got his friend who gets a hold of me and says, hey, you know, not not very good up here. Uh, we had him over for Thanksgiving and he, he did not look good. Uh, we, we think you ought to pay a visit. And I said, okay, well, let me try to plan something. And then the friend got a hold of me later in December after Christmas, because my dad had spent both Thanksgiving and Christmas with him. And they said, oh, it, it got much worse, significant decline between Thanksgiving and Christmas. At Christmas, he fell out of his chair at dinner. Uh, just fell on the ground. And so I said, because earlier than that, I said, okay, well, you know, we've got some trips planned in February. Maybe I can come February. And then after Christmas, he, his friend said, no, February's too late. You need to come up sooner than that. And so I did. Uh, I got out there and yeah, he was very thin, um, still walking around, still living alone, but not there was some confusion definitely going on. Didn't know exactly the core of that. He was happy to have me there, which I was surprised about. I thought showing up unexpected, he would be upset with me. Would that be his personality that he would want that all planned out or? Uh, yeah. Or he'd be like, hey, you're too worried about me. And he'd be put off like. A little bit of both of that. He doesn't like things sprung on him. Uh, he doesn't like surprises. You know, visits from family he's always been fine with, but. Yeah, surprises aren't really his thing. Yeah. Um, he had friends who set him up on an unknown blind date once. They said, hey, come to dinner with us. And there was somebody else there. And 
when he figured out what was going on, he got up from dinner and left and told them to never do that again. Oh, okay. Um, did you tell him you were coming? or you... I couldn't get a hold of him. I was going to ask, did you want it to be a surprise or just happened to be because it happened he didn't to be, answer? I, I couldn't get through. So his phone would either ring through and, and he's never set up his voicemail because he doesn't trust things, I guess. Yeah. And so it would just continue ringing or his phone would be turned off. So it would go off into the abyss and without a voicemail set up, I would just get this message that they were unavailable or traveled outside the the area. Um, and when I got there, I saw a little bit of why that happened because the first morning he was up, it happened to be a Sunday morning. So he was dressed for church and I said, okay, great. Well, whoever's going to pick you up, you know, let them know I'm here. I have a car. So you don't need to call them. You don't need, you don't need a ride. And so he did, he got through and his, his phone was all, all the names were saved in this very cryptic something. Cause he was like, oh, I need to call Ray. And as he's scrolling through his contacts, I see Ray and I was like, Ray. And he's like, no, that's not it. And he goes <laughs> to this, like R colon something, something, something. And he's like, I have a system. And he called and it was the right person. He got a hold of the right person. Would that be him normally to yeah. be kind of like, so he's a little paranoid or something? Like yes. Uh, he's the guy that you go into a store and they ask for your phone number. He's like, why do you need that information? Oh, okay. okay. Uh, and that, so it wasn't abnormal that he had it cryptically saved, but that no. might be an increased challenge when Because nobody confused. else can manage this, not to mention his phone's in German because he speaks German. So his phone oh. is is all switched into German, but that was one of the problems with his friends. He said, yeah, I've been trying to get a hold of you from since the summer and he wouldn't give us your number. And part of me says, oh, he didn't want me to know and worry. But part of me also says he doesn't share information because as private as he is with his own information, he's even more protective of other people's information because oh, he doesn't if he's got your number, he's not sharing it with anybody without your express permission. So that's interesting. So what you're saying is that there's a personality trait pre-existing that actually eventually became a barrier to you being alerted to what was going on because he was actually not even sharing the basic contact information with other people. Absolutely. Okay. And these are people who knew me as a child. I mean, these are not strangers. These no. are established these are family. He goes friends. to church with, he trusts, but without my permission, he's not giving my number out. Do you know how they eventually got your number? Uh, he had a fall and was in the hospital and they said, okay, well, let us, let, let's get Steven's number. Let's call him. And he was working with his phone and when I say he was in the hospital, he was in the emergency department. And he somehow, uh, everybody believes truly accidentally deleted my number, but there were some other numbers there. And I'm not sure who they got a hold of in there that did have my number. Oh, but okay. somehow through that, they got my number. I don't know exactly how. I'm just glad they did. Yeah. And what, this would have been December or when did this? That was December, mid-December. He had that fall. Uh, he hit his head on the corner of his uh, dryer or washing machine. Okay. Um, and. And you got a call from the ER? I got a call from his friend. The friend. The ER okay. didn't, didn't call me. That, that ER visit, he just, they, they checked for physical effects of the fall. He didn't have any fractures or anything like that. And, and they discharged him home. So let's go back. So October, your mom has 
a, a meal with him and is like, hey, something's up. And then is it December's the next time you get like a on the radar? Like you try to get a hold of him, you can't get through. Correct. Then December, you get a call from his friend saying, hey, he fell. Okay. Yes. And then not getting a hold of him between October and December, again, going back historically, he had issues with this. He, you know, he would turn his phone off. That's what I found out because when he made that call to his ride and they're no longer coming, then he turned off his phone. And I said, why are you turning your phone off? Well, I called the guy I needed to call. And I said, but what if somebody wants to call you? I hadn't considered that. Ah, uh, so, so do you think that was him like in his personality trait or that was a cognitive? I, I think it's a mix of both. both. Okay. I think it's a mix of both because he's got a lot of personality quirks that, you know, on the outside, people might say, wow, that's really strange. And I'd be like, oh, that's him forever. Oh, like, he's okay. always been like that. Um, but a lot of it just has magnified some of the challenges to this. And that's why between October and December, when I couldn't really get through to him, I wasn't that concerned because that had happened historically when I knew he was he was in good health. Nothing was. So he on. wasn't a guy that would call you on Thanksgiving or call his kid or Thanksgiving. Yeah, he would call on okay. Thanksgiving and ask him how he's doing. He said he's doing great. Oh, so you did talk to him on Thanksgiving? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, and you didn't notice anything on the phone call? No, not really. Okay. Uh, his the phone calls were short, uh, but that again was kind of a. a a quirk of his he doesn't like to bother people and i would tell him hey you know we keep talking we're fine i've got yeah. time and sometimes he would talk to me a little longer sometimes he would maybe he had something going on yeah um so the calls were short and i think some of that was a little bit of a compensatory strategy for him because if he keeps the conversation short nothing really shows up he doesn't have to remember things and no one's the wiser yeah and we call that kind of clinically like cocktail conversation, which means, hey, how are you? How are the kids? Good, good. How's the weather? Good, good. Okay, see you next time. And what what that is, is it's so high level, you can't notice any of those secondary or tertiary type questions. Like, what are my kids' names? And how old do you think they are? You know, things like that. Like, that right. wouldn't necessarily come up. So, okay, so you get this call. So, what happens after that from so after the friend? That, I get up there, and, and the first day I've I've decided... Hey, I'm just going to observe. I'm going to try to intervene as little as possible to really figure out what's going on. Of Can course, I back you up from there? Yeah. Okay. So all the, all the data points you have is your mom saying something was strange in October and then the family friend calling and saying, look, not only did he fall, but hey, between Thanksgiving and Christmas, he's gotten a lot worse. Then tell me the process in your head that, that, that said, I need to go up there. How did you make that decision? Uh, really, it was just trust in in his friend saying hey i know i've talked to you i know you were planning on coming later i really think you need to come soon we who have known him for a long time are really concerned about him uh and with all that information and then my inability to meaningfully get through to him i said you know what I, i'll just go up there okay uh, i've got you know really really supportive supervisor at work who when i tell him hey stuff's not great he's like hey go handle what you yeah. need to uh he knows i'm not gonna take advantage of that yeah and so i just said hey i'm gonna have to go and figure out what's really going on uh, 
see what his real situation is. And prior to this, did he have any like physical disabilities? Like, was he using a walker or a cane no, or anything? He wasn't. He years and years ago, when he was really very young, he had a stroke, but he fully recovered. He had no residual effects of that, and they were never able to determine the root cause. Okay. Um, and do that, you know about how old he was in his forties? Forties. I mean, it's twenty 40s. plus years ago. Okay. Uh, and he fully recovered and and back to his joking ways. I know when he was in the hospital and they're trying to figure out, hey, you know, do you have any family history? Do you have this, 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 or that? And you know, after a couple of days, he's like, oh well, you know, my dad had a stroke at one point, and all the doctor's eyes light up, and I don't know. And he's like, but I'm adopted, so. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. and so he's joking uh, because we don't know uh, a lot of his medical was he adopted history for real? because he was adopted. Oh, yeah, interesting. He adopted so he went into genealogy yeah. as uh, somebody who was adopted. Interesting. Well, and, and, oh, I said he speaks German. He was born in Germany. He was a German baby and he was adopted by, you know, his mom and dad who lived in Arizona oh. and brought from Germany back to the States as a baby. Okay. So, okay, so you, this is just what, a couple of weeks? When did you actually, do you know the date that you actually flew up there? Oh, I could look it up, but it's after Christmas, before New Year's, the week after okay. Christmas, somewhere. So, late December. Yes. You decide to fly to Utah. Yes. Good. Next. Get a hotel, get a car, show up that morning. Why'd you decide not to stay with him? I uh, can't stay with him. Why is that? Uh, he's a hoarder. Uh, he's a hoarder. Okay. He's a hoarder of free things. And, and so, it's not like his house is filled and filled and filled with stuff. But things he has collected over time, uh, just, you know, they are in neat piles or neat rows, basically, is, is how that's set up. So it's, it's not in his nature to be dirty, but it is to be kind of cluttered. And I knew uh, from having been in his house where he, he rents before, you know, there's no second bed there there could be a second bedroom but there's no second bed there are just some of his things there kind of stored and that's a rented home that he's in it is a rented home okay so tell me what happened like how did you did you just like walk up to the door and like knock on the door yes <laughs> tell me about how'd <laughs> that did. go uh well and so you're so like hello there, i'm steven your I, son yeah i walked up to the door and i decided because even that morning i had uh tried to call him and couldn't get through. And so I drive over to his his house that he's renting. And when I'm on the, the doorstep, I decided, hey, let me call one more time. Because I knocked and I didn't really get an answer. Uh, I could hear his TV on. It was on pretty loud. So it would be hard to hear the door because he locks his screen door as well. So I can't open the screen door to knock on his actual door. And I call one more time and he actually answered. And he, he knows it's me when I call. And I said, Hey dad, I'm, I'm here at your house. He's like, what? And I said, I'm, I'm here. If you'll open the door. And he was like, okay. And he opened the door <laughs> and he? there he was. And he was happy to see me and he invited me in and, uh, you know, he happened to be eating something. I said, Oh, well, what are you, what are you having for breakfast? And he's like, Oh, I just, I have some peanuts. You know, I had a jar of dry roasted peanuts. And I said, okay, well, what did you have for breakfast? He's like, well, just this. I don't usually eat much on Sundays. Why not? Well, I just don't. And I said, well, what do you eat when it's not Sunday? 
Well, something from the fridge. Well, how often do you cook? Just about every day. Okay. Doesn't look like he's done much cooking, but, you know, check on that. Now, going back to the, the cluttered but not dirty or messy, um, it was dirty and messy right inside his door. And so right from then, I knew something was off because that's not like him. Again, having stuff around is not weird, but to have, um, you know, tissues and masks and things on the ground right there, that's not normal for him. When So with his personality quirks, if this had been a couple of years ago and you randomly showed up at his doorstop on a Sunday, would he be like curious or upset or? He would be curious for like, sure. Because to me, it'd be like, what happened? Who got sick? Like what, you know what I'm saying? Like if a random family member shows up, not random, you're not random, but like <laughs> unexpectedly, I would think the worst. They're here to tell me some news that I right. wouldn't want to hear on the phone. Did he act at all? Like if he wasn't super curious why you were there, was that normal for him? Or was that another, wait, why aren't you worried that I just randomly showed up here? No, he would normally have been quite curious or okay. or frustrated. And he was not at all. You know, I got to tell him that Mike had gotten a hold of me. That was his friend who called me and, and that your friends are worried about you. So I'm here to, to check in on you. And he said, okay. And so we have that little bit of interaction there. And I had shown up uh, apparently right before he goes to church. So then I drove him over to church and he was very happy to have me there with him and introduce me to friends, either whether I knew them before or not, or there were a few there that I had known from years ago when I was young. Because uh, he's lived in the same area since I was little, not necessarily the same place, but yeah. within the same few blocks. Uh, and so I knew a few of those folks. Um, he was, you know, falling asleep the entire time. Anytime he was sitting, not doing something, falling asleep, leaning really far forward in his chair to the point where I would, you know, push on the front of his shoulder because I was worried he was going to topple out of his chair because he had a friend who told me he didn't fall out of a chair at dinner. And so I kind of see that happening. But when he gets up and is moving around, he's fine. He's engaging with people. They know who he is. And every once in a while, little little hints of his normal personality come through. He likes to, you know, really joke with people that he has a good relationship with and they'll kind of pick at each other. And he would do that a couple times with some folks. And then as, as church is over, he's walking over toward the corner for the vending machines. And I'm wondering if this is a normal thing because he goes over to a trash can and he looks in it. And the only thing in there are things from the vending machines that are sealed, packaged, whatever, but maybe they were expired or close to expiring and they've been all tossed in this trash can as he starts pulling things out of there. And that would be one of those things where people might say, oh, that's really odd. Somebody's taking things out of the trash. For him, it's not really odd because he would think, hey, this is packaged. It's, it's not free. Yeah, yeah, it's free. And it's not in a bunch of gross stuff. It's just yeah. sitting in the bottom of a plastic bag all by itself. So he grabs some of those, uh, but you know, just, and, uh, it was several sleeves of little mini donuts and maybe each sleeve had five or six donuts in it. Well, by the time I had driven him home, which was not very long, he had eaten one of them and was into the second one. And again, I was, I was just observing this day. I told myself, and by the time I decided to say something, he had eaten four sleeves of donuts. 
And I said, dad, I'm really worried that you don't eat much because you've really, you've really gone, you know, put those away. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And he got a little, I don't know if he was embarrassed, but he started trying to kind of justify. He's like, well, you know, I just eat what's convenient and sometimes it's hard for me. So it might not look like a meal to most people, but it, it works for me. Um, and so we just kind of do that. So again, I just, okay, you know, I'm not there to make a fight of it, just observing. Uh, and you know, I start to wonder, okay, what am I going to do? Because the big concern from his friends, which I agreed with them after being there is we don't think he can really live alone anymore. And he does, he lives completely alone. He would walk uh, a few blocks and Salt Lake city blocks are big, but he would walk to the family history library, do things every day. After his fall, they had asked him, Hey, can you not come back for a few days? Cause you two, you know, big black eyes and cuts over his forehead. And some people were kind of put off and scared of, of his appearance. Um, who asked that? A, a friend of his who works there at okay. the family history. Library. So somebody who knew him was like, and, and they yeah. were doing it lovingly because I can say, I didn't know this person, but somehow they got a hold of my number and called me and said, Hey, you know, we notice your dad's not up here. How's he doing? Uh, we all love it when he comes, we miss him. And so, uh, you know, that was kind of interesting to me. And I said, yeah, he told me he was asked not to come back. And the guy was like, oh yeah, I asked him not to, but that was just, you know, he looked like he had really been through it. And, um, we, I think that we just want to give him a few days. Yeah. Uh, cause he also, you know, on there, I learned he's not doing great at personal hygiene. He's general big stuff he can do. And on the outside, it might not show up, but you know, it was, you know, for example, it was, Salt Lake City, it was December, it was cold, and so he had earmuffs on, and so nobody on the outside would notice, but he showed me, hey, this this happened this morning, and he pulls off his earmuff, and he's got kind of some blood on his ear. I said, what happened? He's like, well, I fell out of bed kind of in between my bed and my nightstand and, you know, scraped up my ear a little bit. I said, are you okay? And, and in hindsight, I should have just taken that opportunity to say, you had a fall, we should go to the hospital right now. Um, but I didn't do that uh, a little bit in shock that first day of just kind of how poorly he was doing compared to the last time I saw him. So, And when, when you talk about the hygiene, that would never have been an issue with him before. No. Okay. He, you know, he wouldn't have fancy creams and this and that, but he was always clean and, and even his daily life, he looked, he, he would wear, slacks and a button-up shirt maybe or maybe not a tie uh and that was any given day that's most of the clothes that he owns so i'm wondering what your experience is at this point because you're going from dad's fine and healthy and he's 68 and then in you're in maybe month three of thinking he's not and then you're right in front of it like where is your mental yeah so it was all over the place it was one Hey, let me observe Two, how do I get resources and how do I approach this depending on what he's willing to accept? Uh, and then three, it was just simply, what am I going to do? Because it was interesting at, through that observation, I figured out he didn't, he wasn't really having memory problems. 
but he was confused and he wasn't processing things well. But the whole time I was there, it wasn't like every day, oh, you're here. Like he knew I was there. He knew that in a few days I was going to leave. Um, all that was understood. And he didn't forget that throughout the entire time. Uh, so really it was a lot of just bouncing around in my head, like, what am I going to do? And I got a, a meeting set up with him and his two friends from church that he trusts. And, you know, just for us to kind of lay it out for him that, hey, we all love you and we're all worried about you and we don't think you're safe to stay at home right now. And so we had that meeting. So you did like an intervention. We did. And, uh, you know, when it came time for him, he's like, you know, I, I don't like what you're saying, but I, I know you're probably right. And exactly what we're going to do, I don't know. I had gotten in contact with some uh, assisted living kind of placement agencies. And one of them who was really good that I spoke to when I just kind of started describing things is like, hey, this is my business. I place people, but it doesn't sound like this is what your dad needs right now. It sounds like you need to get him into a hospital. I said, yeah, he was there not long ago and nothing came from the fall. From yeah. the fall. And so. I took a shot and took him to a different hospital in a different hospital system. And why did you decide to do that? Because I was, I was concerned that if I went to the same hospital, they would just pull up the old stuff, see his CT scan, see everything was clear. No new major events since then and probably just discharge him, send him on his way. And so I wanted to get fresh eyes with me there and of course, they're going to be able to access his health records at some point, but it, I just thought it might be a little bit different. And, and quite frankly, I was, I was a little bothered by the fact that nobody looked at underlying causes of the fall when he went to the emergency room, right. and they just checked the physical effects. And then he was there, according to him and his friends, he was there just a few hours and they sent him home Okay. Uh, after somebody who fell and hit their head. So did that and... Everybody at this other hospital was just phenomenal, you know, from the emergency department. We had a long wait. That wasn't fun. But when I went up to check on him, uh, one of the the EMTs who had helped do intake said, yeah, there's a specific room I'm, I'm trying to wait on him for. I know you've been waiting a long time, but I think you'll do well with this provider. I said, okay, great. When we got in there, provider was great. Nurses were great. Um, got him admitted to the hospital with some suspicion of a uti um but that kind of you know i i don't know how much of the the lab values actually changed and how much it, in doing me a great favor some of these providers said hey if there's a chance for it this is a great reason to admit yeah because at this point it's my last day there uh, i i've got one more night and then the next day i'm flying out and they use that to get him admitted because it went from, yeah, you've got a really bad UTI to, yeah, you have a UTI, but we're not really sure that's the cause to, oh, we're really not even sure you much have a UTI. And then finally it came out a few days later, the culture was actually growing a little bit of something. So they had about five days of antibiotics, but they got him admitted. And that's when we got the real good medical care and good testing going on and diagnoses. And he was diagnosed with vascular dementia as a result of multiple ischemic strokes that had occurred but even they still you know if we go back to his old stroke even they 
couldn't really find the underlying cause. They had him on monitoring the whole time he was there, and they say, we, we suspect it might be from some AFib, but we haven't seen any uh, atrial fibrillation the entire time we've had him hooked up to anything, but that that's the best guess we can make. And I mean, they did everything they could. I'm, I'm confident in that. Everybody I interacted with was phenomenal. And so that's where we landed on that. So, do you know how they arrived at that diagnosis? Was it an MRI? It was MRI. Did he get any like neuropsychological screening or testing that you know of? Or not, uh, not in depth. I mean, I I know they did a MOCA screening. Yeah. Um, but do you they, know what his score was on that? I think his score was a sixteen. In Holy the smokes! Yeah. So the max score on that is a thirty. Yes. And if you're down below, like I think it's twenty three, you're looking at pretty significant. You know, right? Dis dis disturbances. So, um, wow. Okay, so then you're gone, but then there's discharge planning. There's discharge planning. There was a sniff, uh, a subacute skilled nursing facility who accepted him. Uh, he had his, you know, for that you have to have your three day stay because all he's got also at this point is fair to mention he's just got Medicare Part A. That's the only oh. insurance he has whatsoever. Um, and it, it's a person I learned after learning more about his financial situation, his, his pension was about $1,100 a month and he was somehow paying his rent and saving a little bit of money. I don't know where he was getting anything for food, uh, but definitely wasn't paying any additional for insurance. And, and it's kind of interesting going back to old quirks he the where he was saving the money is an account that's been in my name since i was a child and he was putting it in there and he would he had called me uh a couple months before when he had his first visit to get set up for medicare and said hey you know once it starts in february i'm not going to be able to put as much into your account as though he was owing me this yeah. thing and i said what are you talking about? Because I didn't know he was putting any money away like that. And he said, yeah, I've been putting a little money in there, but the Medicare Part B, uh, I can't remember the amount. He said $230 maybe or something a month. And so I won't be able to put the full amount I've been putting in there. I said, well, Dad, you, you don't owe anything to me. Put all the money toward everything you need right yeah. now. And this was before this whole big convoluted mess. And he said, okay, well, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll look. We'll We'll pass that bridge when we come to a type of statement, something that came out of it. So, you know, that, so I'm, I'm relying just on Medicare A, which he had just gotten when he had that appointment. Up to that point, he had no insurance, no anything. Oh, so it wasn't really accessing, I'm sure, a lot of care. No, but like, everybody asked him, who's your doctor? I don't have a doctor. When's the last time you saw a doctor? I'm not sure. Like mm. emergency department. That's the only times he had seen doctors. He didn't have a regular primary care provider. Um, it's probably fair to throw in there. He dealt with, in between the stroke and this time, he dealt with some congestive heart failure. Um, and he recovered from that, got to the point where he was completely off of his medications. And at that point, that's the only time in his life that I've known him to regularly see a provider okay. when he was actively seeking to behave himself and get off his medications. And, and something else to note about him is if... It comes from a place that he trusts, like a doctor. Um, if you tell him he needs to do something, he will very vigorously follow your directions. Like, 
hyper intense focus on, you know, when you tell him you need to be on a low sodium diet, he's doing everything he can to be on a no sodium diet. Okay. Um, yeah. Type of it. So very compliant when given. Absolutely. If he trusts you. At this point, um, they call you at some point, and I'm sure you're already back home. And like, how do you go through this discussion of where he goes next? So you, did he not make it through the three days or? He did. He made he it he was through the three days. They, they kept him for that. It was really one extra night. They had planned to discharge him. They had done all their testing, but he needed one extra night because when we went to the emergency department, he didn't actually get admitted until about two in the morning. Oh, so geez. that didn't count. Um, but I had his, his hospitalist was fantastic. She called me and she let me know, Hey, I just want to let you know, I am, I'm a hospitalist, but I am also a hospice and palliative care physician. And I just want to know what conversations you're ready to have. And I said, wow. I am ready to have whatever conversations you have. She was, she was obviously very skilled at doing this. She did a really good job. Uh, but she said, you know, I just want to tell you my concerns from seeing your dad. So we've got his confusion and his low MOCA score. I said, yep. And we've got recent falls. Yep. We've got some loss of ability to do some ADLs or to do them normally. And these are things I saw when I was with him for those few And days. you had shared with them. And I had shared with them that I don't even think his friends probably knew about uh, because he was good enough that by the time he left the house, he was pretty much okay. But doing yeah. things in the house, he might re- have to redo things several times. That the the blood on his ear, I had to ask him to wash it several times before he effectively got his ear cleaned up. Uh, and so she said, with with that, you know, the dementia, the falls, the loss of ability to ADLs and a significant weight loss. And she said she had looked up an emergency department visit from July of 2023. And I don't even know what that visit was. Yeah. Uh, four. She said uh, between July and the time I was talking to her, so December, uh, he had lost 20 pounds. Um, and she said, when I see those things, I start to think in terms of months. And that's just the pieces I put together. So wait, you go from having a healthy dad that at least you thought in September, and then you're getting a call in like late December, early January saying, I think your dad is like hospice level. Yeah. And she said, I want him to go to sniff. I don't think he's ready for hospice yet, but I want him to get it reassessed by a hospice physician in four to six weeks to see what they say. Based on the diagnosis of vascular dementia, which is, I say that only because usually it's considered a longer onset, you know, like mm-hmm. vascular dementia is considered like kind of insidious and not like I'm fine one day and then, but and I'm just, I'm just saying that loud. That just seems like, yeah, that's crazy. I mean, that's, I'm sure I'm not, you know, well, and that's the best thing. And yeah, the way she explained it was, yeah, any one of those things on their own, but when you put all those factors together, that's where that leads her. But she, she said, you know, it could, could change. Maybe he gets somewhere. Cause we had talked about the fact I didn't think he was getting good nutrition. So maybe get somewhere get some decent nutrition and his weight stabilizes and and that factor gets removed because I think that was one of her primary concerns. If somebody is eating regularly in that period of time is losing weight, maybe their body is just not thriving, period. Yeah. Um, and so if that changes, maybe, maybe the outlook changes. And that's why she said, I don't think he's ready quite yet, but you know, I I don't want to withhold the information from you because that's what I think when I do the evaluation on your dad. Wow, that's like that. That would be shocking. To yeah, me it was pretty surprising. Hear. 
Okay. And what happened next? Did he go to the stair? Hey everyone, it's Rebecca. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'd like to take just a moment to review the disclaimer. This podcast is for informational and occasional entertainment purposes only. Nothing discussed here is formal medical, legal, or financial advice. By listening to the podcast, we are not creating a patient-doctor relationship between you and myself or any of the guests. Really, it's just me and a possible guest or two, sometimes three, sitting around talking about difficult topics related to aging parents. If you have or suspect that you might have a medical problem or condition, you should seek advice from a licensed medical professional. If you have any questions or concerns, please read the full disclaimer in the show notes or contact me directly. Thank you again for joining us today. I can't wait to see you next week. Have a good day.